ketchup's coming a lot smoother than ours does. That's not good manners. Well, you notice our hides. Here, taste it. That, my friends, is the Heinz Ketchup Commercial from 1978. And this is Stacy Julian with episode 59 of Exactly Enough Time. From its title, this is a podcast about productivity. And while I love to rock a day and get stuff done, exactly enough time is much more about being present. It's about recognizing the time you have and making the most of it. It's about choosing to be playful and living with intention, curiosity, and connection. It's about owning what you love and bringing more of whatever that is into your life. I am a life enthusiast and a believer. In this podcast, I tell stories and I invite you to celebrate people, places, and things that make you and your life amazing. Thursday. I'm back just like I said I would be. The days are getting longer. I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you for listening and thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends. That is so nice. I'm so happy, grateful that what I share at least some of the time is resonating with you to the degree that you're willing to pass it on. That's amazing. So today, you guys, I want to talk to you about creativity, anticipation, being present, telling your story, understanding yourself and others better, remembering and seeing the evidence of all that is good in your life. Do you know what I want to talk to you about? That is an acronym. C-A-P-T-U-R-E, capture. I want to talk to you about why I scrapbook. Why for so many years, I should say why I still scrapbook. Why for so many years, I have been a memory keeper. But first, who remembers the ketchup commercials, right? At like the end of the 70s into the 80s, Heinz ketchup. What a brilliant ad campaign to associate thick ketchup, or at least ketchup they wanted you to believe was thick, thicker than the other brands, and pair it with the brilliant song and lyrics written by Carly Simon, the lead single on her album of the same name, Anticipation, in 1971. I'm going to play you a snippet of her song a little bit later. Okay. Let's talk about why I scrapbook. I've been working on this one for a few weeks now and my brain really loves to come up with acronyms. So the acronym CAPTURE, which I think is a good acronym, right? Scrapbookers work with photos. K 
cameras capture photos and really capture life. So I'm using the word capture as a way to share with you the benefits that I see and find and practice that are a part of memory keeping or scrapbooking. Okay, so C stands for creativity. You guys, in his 1996 book, Creativity, the work and lives of 91 eminent people, positive psychologist Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi suggested that of all human activities, creativity comes closest to providing the fulfillment we all hope to get in our lives. Wow! Creativity, he says, allows us to stretch out minds, do new and exciting things, and engage ourselves in a way that takes us one step closer to reaching our full potential. Now, when I first say creativity and you think scrapbooking, you're probably thinking, I know, right? All that super pretty pattern paper and those stickers and the stamps and the inks and the doodads. And that definitely is part of creativity. But when I say creativity and scrapbooking, I'm talking about the kind that Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi talks about. It's the problem solving kind of creativity. Here's the deal. Our brains are continually looking for problems to solve. Okay, so rather than allow that default setting in my head to find problems where they might not really exist, I like to give my brain intentional, fun, and much easier problems to focus on. Problems like, what project should I work on next? (laughs) How am I going to organize that box of stuff for my mom? How should I arrange the photos and stuff in this album? You get the idea? I purposely busy my brain with fun and color so that it doesn't have to go looking for something else in my life that it thinks needs fixing. Ha! (laughs) I truly 100% believe that having a creative project going is one of the best cures for your everyday run-of-the-mill dissatisfaction with life. Okay, so... In a lesson on human relations by Pearson Education, and Pearson was established in 1844, and they're like the world's learning company. They have 35,000 employees in 70 countries. Okay, so they, they know, they understand, they practice education. And in a lesson on human relations, um, the decision-making process, they say, follows an orderly flow of events. See, if you understand this, well, if you're, if you're familiar with this, number one, you are aware of a problem, okay, or you create one of your own. That's exactly what I'm talking about, okay? You don't wait for your brain to become aware of a potential problem. You create one of your own. That's step number one in making decisions. Number two, you identify causes of the problem. Like I've got all this stuff in this box. I've got all these photos. I've got all these, these supplies, right? You create Um, or you identify the causes of the problem, then you find creative alternatives. 
You look for ideas. You think of the outcome that you're trying to achieve. Then you weigh the alternatives, like which format should I go with, right? What's What should this look like? Um, and then you make a choice. There's always a gazillion ways that you can tell a particular story or scrapbook um, or you know craft a particular project. So you weigh the alternatives and then you make the choice. You just choose one and you move forward and you implement the choice. And then, and by the way, that's like steps three, four, five, and six. <laughs> and then step seven in the seven step process of decision making is you evaluate whether you have made a sound choice. If your choice was unsound, <laughs> stuff didn't work out, you didn't finish on time, maybe it didn't turn out quite like you wanted, it didn't resonate with the person, I mean, whatever, right? If for whatever reason your choice is unsound, then guess what? That becomes part of the new problem. That becomes one more thing to fix or improve or get better at. And so over time, your skills in this process of decision making are honed and refined and the cycle repeats itself. <gasps> right? Okay, I know. I am still the believer that there is a much bigger picture, not literal picture, not like 8 by 10, right? 16 by 20, a much bigger picture in this whole scrapbooking thing. And it has made me a better problem solver and decision maker. And both of those skills are linked to satisfaction in life. C stands for creativity. Number one reason, I am still a scrapbooker. The letter A is for anticipation. That's the intro to today's episode, right? And I'm not talking about ketchup anticipation you guys you know it is truly half the fun just thinking about an upcoming event a party a road trip dinner out when we experience something enjoyable especially when we experience it with other people there's other people involved we get a boost of dopamine the feel-good hormone And when we, over time, learn that that thing we experienced can be experienced again, we can and often do anticipate then that happy feeling, that hit of dopamine, just by thinking about it happening again. This is true. It's science. It's proven. So then after this thing is over that we've anticipated and it's now a memory, and we happened to take photos and we choose to document it in some way, dopamine. (laughs) It's like we double process something enjoyable and then we imprint those pleasant feelings. We learn better how to anticipate because we keep the memory. By pushing the replay button, that's the scrapbooking part, We pack it away with more intention. So I'm pretty sure you'll agree that we humans, we love that feeling of excitement, that something is coming, big or small. This week, I'm anticipating tomorrow, actually, a quick trip home for my son, Taft. And my heart is straight up happy. There is a literal vibration in my chest. I am anticipating being with this person that I adore and my dopamine levels are up. 
And the actual practice of scrapbooking does this for me too. So for example, when I have started a project, even mentally started a project, anticipation starts to build. I want to find the mental space and energy to keep working on it. And if I've started designing a a page, for example, or a project, then I'm generally filled with anticipation to continue. I do my other work a bit faster and I do it with a bit more enthusiasm because I know what's waiting for me. Now, here's where anticipation can be a little tricky because if you're too focused on the thing that's coming, you can lose focus on what's here right now, right in front of you. That's why I love the next letter in my acronym, the P, because P is for present. But let's listen to Carly sing it. Scrapbooking keeps me present. You might not believe that something that helps me anticipate can also help me focus on the now, but it's 100% possible. It's a yes and a yes and a yes. I think that is one reason it is so magical. Because I've experienced a family reunion and I've scrapbooked it, in the past, I've really processed it with physical pictures and paper and my own words. I have assigned it deliberate meaning in my life and I can and will anticipate it to a greater degree in the future. And the whole time I'm there with my family, my people, I can really be there because I know what this is. This is the thing, the experience I've been waiting for. This is what I've been anticipating. And I have happy memories of this happening in the past. This is what I will look back on with gratitude and fondness. This is, I should say, I should say it like Carly does. This, this, These are the good old days happening right now. These are the things we're going to look back on. We're going to say, oh, remember the good old days? Okay, because I scrapbook, I can recognize a fleeting moment happening right now as memorable before it passes. It's like some cool time warpish gift that scrapbooking has given me. Now, I like to say often that, in air quotes, it all counts. 
meaning that anytime you slow down to pair a photo with some words to recognize what it is, it counts. And I do still say this, and I believe it, but I am going to be honest with you that posting to social media isn't as satisfying. It's not as satisfying as it used to be, and it's definitely not as satisfying as doing the same type of thing, like selecting a photo and writing a caption offline. Okay, I'm trying to figure this out in my brain, but I'm pretty sure it has to do with that the, the false connection that it creates. And I'm not talking about people connection so much as I am just talking about connecting to the air around you, slowing down, like being present with the process of imprinting this experience. Social media, in my mind, my opinion, is just too fleeting. And right now, it's too much about brands and messaging and promotion. And even if you are super intentional and aware enough to recognize all of that, and let's say you set a time limit, because I do, and let's say you get on with specific intentions, because I do, it, it still sucks you into this endless comparison trap, right? So in the very act of trying to stop, to notice life and your day and the goodness and to share it, you get swept away in a flood of followers and likes and comments and FOMO and JOMO and and a sort of, I'm not quite there. I'm not really experiencing it on the level that I want to. So it leaves you and can feel and can leave you feeling empty. So Is there connection available on Instagram? Yeah, for sure. I've met people via Instagram who I have never connected with in person and who I would never otherwise have the opportunity to connect with. And I love keeping up with them and I love learning from them. But I'm also willing to say that I don't believe you can replace scrapbooking, memory keeping, documenting, with social media and achieve the same level of satisfaction. There, I said it. I feel like I talk about telling stories a lot. And for sure, there are differences between what most people call scrapbooking and what most people believe storytelling is. I believe the primary difference is in how we access the raw material. Stories live in us and we can absolutely learn to excavate them, mine them, fashion them into narratives to celebrate and pass on. Most people believe the raw material of scrapbooking is pictures and paper and the actual physical things you use to design or craft, you know, some kind of page or project. So as you, as you shift your thinking from, right, physical raw materials to the raw materials that make up the narrative, then there is a natural shift from why you scrapbook or what you can do with scrapbooking Um, that transitions you from crafting to 
storytelling. Okay, so for me, hope that made sense. For me, the letter T is for telling your story. And it's more than just documenting a single event or a moment. Stories look back on moments and events and explore the meaning or the learning that's hidden in them. Okay, stories string moments together into patterns that move up and down in an arc. When we tell our story, we become more aware of how things unfold to become part of a bigger plan or a progression. And we become better able to discover um, connection, right? I like to say that stories have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Most, most of you would agree. But as long as we're still alive, the stories haven't ended. I don't even think they end after we leave this earth, right? So really, it's more like chapters in a story, isn't it? I can document a new chapter whenever there is enough plot, whenever there's a new problem that has a solution and that can create meaning, or I can create meaning from it. So I think when I started scrapbooking, it was about documenting events and preserving memories, primarily of my little people as they grew up. But now it has become more about how the people, places, and things in my life are connected over time, across time, how they're interrelated to create the themes of my life. One of the greatest contributions of psychology and psychotherapy research is the idea that we can edit, revise, and interpret the stories we tell about our lives, even as we are constrained by the facts, right? A psychotherapist's job is to work with patients to rewrite their stories in a more positive way. One of the the most helpful ways I've learned to communicate with uh, someone um, in a situation where there's some potential misunderstanding or conflict is to say, so the story I'm telling myself is, right, looking at this circumstance or this set of facts, the story I'm telling myself is this. What is the story you are telling about these facts? So telling your story, letter T, so much good stuff to discover and learn and practice about our lives and the chapters in our lives. <clears throat> Love it. Okay, the letter U. U is for understanding. You know how when you're riding a bike with someone else or with a group of people um, and you're in front, you can get going really fast and there's the wind and the scenery and that exhilaration of movement and pedaling and you all of a sudden wonder about the other person or people. So you take a quick glance back and it has to be quick, right? Or you'll lose your balance and, and hopefully they're still there. And then you're like, yep, yep, they're there. Okay, let's keep going all is well. We're in this together and I don't know what's just ahead but this feels good. We're moving forward together. So looking back gives you that sense of all rightness, right? That sense of I'm moving forward, but I know where I am in relation to my group, to my person or people. 
Yes? Does that make sense? <laughs> I do a lot of bike riding lately with Addie. So that's what scrapbooking does for me. It's a backward glance. Sometimes it's a look around, but it's let me put me and my experience in, con- in, in context, right? In 2014, researcher Dan Johnson published a study in Basic and Applied Social Social Psychology that showed how stories inform people's emotional lives. Storytelling, especially in novels, allows people to peek into someone's conscience to see how other people think, even not real people, right? to at least wonder about or explore or, yeah, think about how other people might think in situations that you might find familiarity with. So this ability through story can affirm your own beliefs and perceptions, but more often it can challenge them. And that's the really powerful thing. They have learned Reading fiction significantly increased empathy towards others, especially people the readers initially perceived as outsiders or different from themselves. So for example, foreigners, people of a different race, skin color, or religion. Interestingly, the more absorbed in the story the readers were, the more empathetic they behaved in real life. Johnson tested this by accidentally dropping a handful of pens when study participants did not think they were being assessed. Those who had previously reported being highly absorbed in the story were about twice as likely to help pick up the pens. Now, I'm not really sure what that has to do with scrapbooking, but I think scrapbooking can help you develop a similar empathy for yourself. As you slow down to recognize your thoughts and the emotions that they elicit and you give yourself credit for showing up to live life and to try again, you gain valuable insight, understanding for you, and that can only spill over in positive ways to those around you. It has to be a positive thing for your relationships. Okay, so we've done C-A-P-T-U, and we're ready for R. And you can probably guess what R stands for in my acronym, right? R. It's the remember part. (laughs) It's the part where what you've documented actually helps you remember the specifics, the details, your thoughts, what people said, how they looked, how your surroundings looked, and the size of the trees, and the toys, and the food right? Because as much as you think you will, you won't. Remember, sorry, pictures for sure will help, but pictures paired with words and that mental effort that you invest, that you exercise in bringing them together, the planning and the designing of a page or a project, you guys, that does something in the remembering parts of your brain. So I know you've heard this before, but the amygdala seems to facilitate like the encoding of memories and the more emotion involved with an original experience, the more the the encoding of a memory is facilitated at a deeper, a deeper level. 
okay? So the hippocampus processes and projects information to um, the cortical regions of the brain. And increased, um, I'm sorry, the cortical regions where memories are given meaning. Uh-huh, does that sound familiar? And anytime you repeat activity, right? Repeated activity by neurons leads to increased neurotransmitters. So that means more synaptic connections, and this is how memory consolidation occurs. So spending more time with your pictures more often, seeing them more, living with them in your home, and then setting aside intentional time to slow down, to work with them, and to assign meaning and story to them. This is all really good news for long-term memory. Okay, that makes those details that you cherish and want to keep with you. It makes those details more permanent and more accessible forever, period. Love the letter R. The letter E. You ready? Do you want to guess what it is? <laughs> e is for evidence. Anything you do, anything you finish, even if it's not finished all the way, is evidence. It's proof that you have lived and breathed, <laughs> that you have enjoyed and likely endured some really significant experiences. So listen up. If you're not scrapbooking or you're not scrapbooking anymore because you have too many pictures or you feel behind, that is, and I'm just going to say it, short-sighted. It's not even about the pictures in the end. Sometimes we worry about whether our kids or anyone else will want all this stuff. Guess what? It does not matter because it's the process. It's the process of making it all happen that has changed you. It's changed me. It's about our creativity. It's about our ability to anticipate and be present. It is about living your story with more intention and then documenting enough of it that it can be retold. It's about developing a greater degree of understanding for yourself and those you love most. And it's about the gift of remembering and ultimately about how able you are to truly enjoy what you have. It's about knowing that experiences trump possessions every single time. Guess what I want to leave my kids? Not a bunch of scrapbooks. <laughs> I have a bunch, but that's not what I want to leave them. What I want to leave them is the desire to, ready, capture life. I want them to want to pay attention and to tell their stories because I know it will bless them as it has me. Okay, you guys, thank you for listening. This is why I scrapbook and why I still scrapbook because it has blessed my life. It has changed who I am. It has made me a happier person. Hey Stacy, it's Kelly Johnson here and 
I just wanted to come on because I haven't listened to the podcast in so long because my January and February is such a mess for me. And I just was binge listening and listened to the podcast about Taft's friends. And I am overwhelmed with that podcast. It just touched my heart as a mom that's getting ready to launch their son in a year. And, um, oh, it just brought so much joy to my heart. And um, I wish I could have sat in there and had so many questions for them, too. And I would have listened to them all day. What a sweet group. And Taft is just such a sweet kid just to hear all of them and the, and the way they spoke about not, not only their experience in college, but just about each other and their intention of choosing friends, not only choosing them wisely, but um, choosing them for life and making the effort to spend time with one another. That just really touched my heart. My kids have great friends and I want that to continue. And my prayer is that that would continue. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sharing it with all my friends and I'm asking my children to listen to that podcast too. And I've never asked them to listen to any podcast. So you're awesome, Stacey. I love listening to you. It's been great binge watching again or binge listening again. I hope you have a great day. Kelly, thank you. Thank you for sending me that awesome feedback. I immediately sent it to my son, Taft. I so appreciate all of you who listen and you share and you let me know how this podcast is encouraging you or lifting you up. I feel so humbled by that. I'm so grateful for it. I just love you and I appreciate you. And I'm going to be sending Kelly a story starter from my Story by Stacy line with Close to My Heart. That's how much I love those of you who go that extra effort to send me that kind of a message because I love sharing them at the end of an episode. You guys, I will be back next week with another episode of Exactly Enough Time. Thank you.